Thompson on the court is done. Curry left side. Crossover on Morris. Backs up. Shoots the three over him. But knocks down another one. But the night is just getting started on NBA Radio. I think we're very close, obviously. You know, some things will tweak and we'll get back on the horse and we'll get these guys here pretty soon. Breaking down every game-changing play. Giannis pulling it down the lane. To the rim and slamming with a left hand. Taking your calls and bringing you inside the locker room for post-game reaction. We'll clean up the offensive stuff, but if we can guard like that, we got a chance to be decent. This is the NBA Radio Post-Game Show. What's up and welcome in to the NBA Radio Postgame Show right here on Sirius 207 XM86 and the SXM app. Along with four-time NBA champion Will Purdue, Jonathan Hood with you. We have open phone lines for you at 855-NBA-JUMP, 855-622-5867 is our phone number as the Suns defeat the Clippers as heard right here on NBA Radio 84-80. to The Suns now lead the series three games to one. Monday night's game will take place at 9 p.m. Eastern time. You can hear it right here on NBA radio and will I know that as a big yourself you had to be proud to see DeAndre Ayton with his 19 points and 22 rebounds the big guy did work along with uh, a resurgent Chris Paul it all came together for the Suns no matter how ugly it was in the fourth quarter the Suns came out on top but Ayton in particular you got to be happy about his performance on the inside I, I love it because that's I remember when you know here in Chicago, we talk about the draft every year. We're coming up on that, and you know, I think it was that July 29th or whatever it is this year. It's, you know, obviously a month later. But every time a big guy is talked about in the draft, you're like, you know, the league's changing. You know, what's the importance of a big? Is he is he worthy of the number one pick or the number two pick? Well, I think he's proven that he has. Now it's taken some time for him to get his legs underneath of him, but this is where I feel like. Not only with the the work of Monty Williams as the head coach, but also the addition of Chris Paul has made such a difference with DeAndre Ayton, with accountability. But also when you get, and I and this is just coming from me as as a guy that as I got older in my career, like when you have a leader like a Chris Paul, like when you have a leader like an Avery Johnson, or even you know the interesting thing is as the roles kind of flip a little bit. When I was in San Antonio and I had such a good player in Tim Duncan, you hold yourself more accountable because of how good that guy is. And you don't want to let that guy down. But also the support and the positivity that Chris Paul provides, but how you always see him in conversation with DeAndre Ayton about how they are playing the screen role or how they have to play the screen role. And Ayton has responded. And now they're talking about DeAndre Ayton was a guy who was, you know, he just wanted to be a player in the league. So now he wants to be a superstar in the league. And they're talking about how they used to have to try to kind of encourage him to come to the gym no more to where they now have to kick him out of the gym because of how much time he invests in his team and how hard he works. You know, watching Chris Paul out there with his 38 minutes, we're going to hear from Chris Paul momentarily, but Chris had 38 minutes, 18 points, along with seven assists and four rebounds. Well, what I liked about the Suns, especially early on, is just in transition, the offense was just solid. It just shows you that he's the missing ingredient. When he's not there, the Suns can be okay, but it just he adds that little sprinkle, that little something that you need. I thought that in the, the game before this, I thought that the Suns were a, a step slow as Chris Paul was trying to get his legs 
you know, strengthen and be able. But I thought that in this game on Saturday night, I saw Chris Paul, a guy that was really initiating the offense, how quick the guys were able to get up the floor. I think that that was uh, a big step for the Suns on how quick they were, especially through the first three quarters of the game. And I think that's when the Suns are at their best, Jonathan, is when they're running the basketball. And that's one of the things I love about this Suns team. Unlike a lot of other teams that even when they're in the fast break, most notably the Clippers in the first half, half of their shots, half of the Clippers shots in that first half, I think they had 44 field goal attempts, 22 were from uh, behind the arc. Too many, and they only shot 19%. But how the Phoenix Suns, when they're on a fast break, they run to the basket. They run to the paint. They don't stop at the three-point line and look to shoot an uncontested three. They basically take a page out of the old-school basketball and be like, hey, we're going to focus on the mid-range. We're going to focus on the high-percentage shots, meaning we have numbers, whether it's Chris Paul, whether it's Devin Booker, whether it's Cameron Payne, we're going to come down, and until the defense reacts, we're not going to pass it. And then when the defense reacts, we're going to dump it off to the open man. And we're going to get layups. We're going to get shots to bucket. We're going to get foul. We're going to get to the free throw line. And to me, unless you can shoot better than 45, 46% from three consistently, I know the, the, you know, the analytics say, well, you only need to shoot 34% as a whole. I think you can have more effect offensively by attacking the rim, collapsing the defense. And then later on in the game, because of that aggressiveness, you get open looks when the defense is so concerned about having to bust their ass to get back on defense and get inside the paint. Let's hear now from uh, Chris Paul from the Phoenix Suns. We mentioned the Suns now up three games to one. Paul with 18 points tonight. Got a chance to talk to Rachel Nichols from ESPN after the game. That was an emotional game. What was it like out there? Man, it was crazy. That team over there, they fight. They fight, man. They so well coached. They compete. And, man, to play so many games in this building in front of these amazing fans, uh, we still got a ways to go, but it felt good to get one here. You have done something no other team has done, which is go up on 3-1 on the Clippers in a playoff Yeah, I don't want to talk about 3-1. This I got a good experience with that. I understand. I, I get that. I will talk about the fourth quarter a little bit, though. This was just a war of attrition. The score of just the fourth quarter alone, 15 to 14, you guys. It was enough with the lead that you built earlier in the game. But what was it like out there? At one point, there was four minutes where neither team could yeah, score. Yeah, man. And, you know... Watching these games and stuff, you just, like, kept thinking to myself, damn, we need a bucket. Damn, we need a bucket. But we just kept getting stops. And that man over there, DeAndre Ayton, he's going to get him a bag this summer. He's going to get him a bag. And he's showing everybody right now during the playoffs why. What can you do in this next game to close it out? Man, we going home. We going home to the best fans in the league. Phoenix, see the way they show up on the road. They're going to be crazy on, what is it, Monday? No, this was feel good. We knew we needed to come here. This is a tough environment. Clip section 114 section over there used to show us so much love. It's a lot of energy in here, but we'll take it. And you yourself, you certainly look more like yourself in this game than you did in game three. How do you feel about your conditioning and health going into game I five? I couldn't make a damn shot. You know what I mean? But I tell you, Rach, my nerves are a lot better actually out here playing than they are at home watching. So I'm just happy to be here with my teammates, man, and 
We're going to keep chugging along. Well, you'll be playing, not watching in Game 5, and we'll see you there in Phoenix. Chris. Appreciate it. Shout out to my daughter, my baby girl, Cam. Don't like basketball at all, but hit a, but hit a game winner on Saturday. Hey, man, you got game winners all over man, the Man, that's my baby family. right there. All right. Thank <laughs> Thanks so much, Chris. Rachel Nichols talking to uh, Chris Paul there as the Suns win 84 to 80. Before we get into the Clippers, I just want to just point out, you know, how ugly it was for both teams, especially from three. You know, combined, the game was nine for 51 from three point range, four for 20 uh, for the Suns. Uh, but here's what you like, though, Will. You know, from the Suns' standpoint, they hung in there. They never relinquished the lead against the Clippers, even though the Clippers played well in the third quarter. I just like how the Suns, and I mentioned Aiton was, I think, solid, and Devin Booker, he had 25 points before falling out of the game. No, I think he was better with the mask on. When he took the mask off, he can he can hit a shot. I, I think if he kept the mask on, maybe he would be able to get at least one three-point shot. He went 0 for 5 from the field last night. <laughs> You know, the interesting thing is I, I played with a mask many times. Yes. And it's just, it's, it's hard to adjust when you obviously don't have a lot of time to practice. It really affects your peripheral vision. And mentally, when you start thinking about it, it really affects every aspect of your game. Now, the interesting thing, later on, late in that fourth quarter, you know, when he got that foul on Reggie Jackson, he got popped. Now, I don't know if he got hit in the cheek, if he got hit in the nose. You know, he looked like he was in a little bit of pain. So the question is, does he go back to trying to wear the mask or has he just convinced himself that he can't wear it any longer? It'll be interesting to see what the decision is. Because I guarantee you tomorrow, you know, today, actually, he'll go back and he'll get some shots up with the mask on and they'll, they'll encourage him to wear it. But, you know, if he's already convinced himself mentally that he can't shoot with it on and he doesn't like it, more than likely you'll see him on Monday in game five without the mask from the get-go. From the Clippers' standpoint, down three games to one, this is uh, this is tough. We've seen the Clippers come from behind and be, be down in series and try to claw their way back. But this seems like a difficult hole. And let's kind of look at it here. We know Kawhi Leonard's not available, so you got to be able to find offense someplace. You know, well, I, we can look at the box score now because you and I both watched the game together, and we saw 23 points from Paul George on, in 42 minutes, and he saw what he did at the foul line. I just thought in the first half, it was it was Paul George trying to shoot his way into rhythm, and I just thought it was way too many shots from three for my for my liking. I would have liked for Paul George to be able to distribute the basketball to the best of his ability because it's one thing for you to go one for nine from three. It's another for you to be able to distribute the basketball and make others better. I just thought coming down to the court as really the point you know, point guard, and then shooting the three without being in the rhythm of the offense was him saying, well, it's my turn. I've got to get myself right. you got to get the team right, I thought, first. But thats I don't think that's how Chris, how um, Paul George looked at it. I thought that he could have been a little bit more giving and tried to distribute a little bit more if he could. But I also feel like, you, that listen, I agree with you 100%, but I feel like the team as a whole followed his lead. And what I mean was is at the end of the first quarter, the Clips had already attempted 15 threes. And they were 3 of 15, and they're down 9. Okay? And when you look at, and of their, and they were 7 of 20 
five. So 15 of their 25 shots were from behind the three-point line. But the Suns, they shot 20, 12 of 24. But they only attempted four threes. They were looking to get the ball into the paint. They were looking to attack the rim. Points in the paint at halftime. I'm just throwing out some numbers because to, to prove your point, because I agree with you, 28 to 16 points in the paint for the Phoenix Suns. Fast break points. I know not a lot, but 6-0. But the, the Suns kept attacking, kept attacking, even though they weren't necessarily capitalizing a lot and cashing in. It was what they were doing in the mental aspect of forcing the, the uh, Clippers to uh, you know get back and protect the paint. They were still attacking the rim. But if you go back and you look at it, and what's Ty Lue been credited with? You know, they call him Bill Belichick because of the, you know, how he makes changes throughout the game, right? But go back and then look at the numbers for the third quarter. And then when you see the third quarter, you talk about points in the paint. It's now 34-32 on a whole. It was 6-16 to just for that quarter in favor of the Clippers because then they took a page out of the Suns book and started attacking the rim because they weren't making a lot of shots. And that flipped the game. They, the, Phoenix, I'm sorry, the LA Clippers scored 36 points total in the first half, 30 in the third quarter because I thought they were more aggressive looking to attack the rim. I mean, that to me, that's where sometimes I think the mentality of the game has changed in the wrong way. Teams come out jacking up threes, hoping to open up the paint when you still need to look to attack the paint like the Phoenix Suns did, which will then open up the threes later in the game. Yeah, I, I look at this this uh, Clippers team and I say, boy, I know that they need Kawhi Leonard badly. We all know that. That's obvious. But you, you saw Paul George, you know, again, I give him credit for the 16 rebounds and the six assists, the 23 points, but then there's Reggie Jackson. And I don't, that was really part of a third quarter that exploded for the Clippers. 36 points in the first half for the Clippers, 30 points in the third quarter. What, what changed for the Clippers where they were able to get open shots and get the Suns on their heels? Well, it was just as I said, they're attacking the rim now. They're putting their head down. They picked up the pace. They're responding to the speed of which that the Phoenix Suns were playing. As you talked about, Chris Paul, you know, when he was under COVID protocol, he couldn't go to the practice facility. He talked about the only place he got up shots was in his backyard, you know, where he more than more times than not shoot State Farm commercials. <laughs> right. So he had to kick the kids off and go out there and, and work on getting shots up. You saw how rusty he was. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. It's, you know, A, keeping your conditioning, but B, you can't, you know, simulate the pace of a game in your backyard. You can only simulate that in practice because then that's game speed. And he, he missed out on that. He didn't have that luxury of missing games one and two and losing the speed of the game. So he had to, even though he's a veteran and he knows exactly what he's in for mentally, physically, he has to adapt. He struggled in game three. He admitted that he struggled. He still didn't hit a lot of shots, but as you pointed out, he still played at the proper speed. He still you know, did the right things with the basketball and the, and the team stepped in line and played to their strength. And that was looking to push the pace. The Clippers responded in the third, get themselves back into the game. And then it just becomes an all out, you know, scratch and claw, you know, as you heard in that interview, just trying to find ways to score. And I thought the biggest difference was Chris Paul and Devin Booker getting to the free throw line more so than Paul George and the rest of the Clippers team. Show me a team that can get it done inside out. I'll show you a team that's likely to win the championship, especially in June, 
right, um, Will, because, and there's your difference right there. There's no diss at Zubak. I mean, he had 13 points and 14 rebounds, so he did work. But it just shows you the how impressive Aiton was and then the outside shooting. He wasn't great, but it, this is why in, in the game today it's a longer-form conversation, but it's just – to me, the building blocks of where we are today, the building blocks were the big guy on the inside, the mid-range jumper, the ability to go to the foul line to slow the game down. What are, those building blocks, to me, are more important than just, hey, I can shoot a three, and if I miss, it's okay. It's, it's not okay because there's other ways to be able to score and make an impact with the game, Will. And, and so a lot of those elements are missing today because it's now it's threes and layups, threes and layups. And, that, and to me, the game is more important than that. For the Suns, we got a little of everything. They didn't, they didn't score the ball well from three, like, and neither the Clippers, you know, 20% shooting from three. But going to the foul line mattered. Even though the Clippers had the advantage, but the Suns were able to slow it down some. And so... Yeah, I love the way the Suns played today because of those elements they had inside and out and the, the ability to make stops when they needed to. That's I thought, was the key for them Saturday night. But let me ask you this, Jonathan. In late-game situations, and this is where I talk about, you know, I always, when people ask questions about how the game has changed and bigs are now shooting threes and they, you know, the stretch fours, but you still have a guy that has to anchor your defense. You still have to have to have a guy that is a deterrent down in the paint. And Aiden is that guy because you talked about 19 points, 22 rebounds, but four blocks. Yep. How many deterrents? The back line of the defense, he constantly was there to cover up for the mistakes that they made out on the perimeter, out on the initial line of defense. But that being said, as you just pointed out, in late-game situations, who do you trust more with the basketball do you trust chris paul or do you trust paul george do you trust chris paul or do you trust reggie jackson well right big question are they uh, you like chris paul because chris paul if he's not going to make the shot he could distribute the basketball to the right spot in this scenario because you get a mismatch with ayton i love him on the inside because i feel like he can knock down the foul shots uh rebound offensive rebound do the little things and the big things on the inside yep but now if there's a complaint about ayton you know, he goes three for three from the free throw line in this game. But I think as a whole, he's only shot five free throws in this five in, in this four game series. Well, that, that's primitive game. That, but yeah, that's also just how they use him. They use him mainly as a screener and a roller. Yeah. You know, he kind of reminds me as big as he is. I'd like to see him down on the block with his back to the basket running, you know, plays off of him, letting him be the facilitator from the post. But they obviously at this point don't necessarily trust that, it, where I think that they could score some more points because they got a distinct advantage because I, I think he has really good footwork. And I've seen him down in the post work on guys in the regular season. But right now, Monty Williams feels more comfortable with them running the screen roll and putting the ball in the hands of Chris Paul. But as you just talked about, Aiden is finding ways to impact this game offensively with all, with rebounding. Offensive rebounds picked up nine offensive rebounds to give his team numerous second chance opportunities. But I also saw him being more comfortable shooting that mid range jump shot when Zubats or Morris or Batum or whoever was playing that five spot when they were guarding him was sloughing off, daring him to shoot, and he was doing it. 
Still to come here on the NBA radio postgame show, we'll hear from Monty Williams, the head coach for the Phoenix Suns, as well as Ty Lu, the coach for the Clippers. Along with Will Purdue, Jonathan Hood with you, you're listening to our NBA radio postgame show right here on NBA Radio.